Hello and welcome to Red Shirts, a podcast about Star Trek. I'm joined by my co-host, Nathan Thomas. And who's this? Who's <gasps> this interloper who's entered our, our lair of podcast? She seems to be in some sort of strange time zone, almost as if she's on the other side of a planet. It is the return of Matty Churchhouse. Without further ado, let's engage... not even our theme oh, tune, Oh, it's good Maddie. to have you back. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Also, no, sorry, sorry. Good day, good day, guys. How's it going? <laughs> you all right? Yeah. Uh, sorry, the internet connection's a little bit bad here. I don't know why I went South <laughs> African then. <laughs> Maddie has rejoined the podcast after her five-year mission. Uh, I have returned all of the strange the places wilds, that she's been. The great beyonds. Um, I've been it's boldly going. Back. I've been boldly going for such a long time. It is very, very pleasant to be boldly doing nothing the fuck at all. <laughs> <laughs> so, for the listeners' uh, benefit, they they've been we've been keeping them up to date as much as we can on your five year mission. We told them about all the trips to Riser that you had. Um, oh yeah, of course that was y- great. Yeah, but you're you're now you're now uh, in in a different hemisphere to us. I know, I know. I'm actually in the butthole of the world. <laughs> You're in Perth, Australia, I believe, yeah. aren't you? So I'm not even in the good bit of Australia. I'm in the shitey bit. I say that for the benefit <laughs> of Alex, who is from Perth and in the room with me right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you've made it uh, you, You've made it a priority to still record with us, which is great. So uh, Yes. Is, is, you're not getting this rid of me that might... fucking easily. I know you tried to transport <laughs> me here, but um, <laughs> we still have yeah, internet yeah. down under. The internet might be shitty, but it still exists. Yeah, what happened, listeners, is that uh, Maddie actually stole a loaf of bread in the UK, and uh, <laughs> and then as punishment, we've sent her to Australia. Yeah, um, a, a land which technically has internet. In the same way, um, Boris Johnson is technically an honourable member of the House of Commons. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, <laughs> there is something called that, but you know. Oh, um, you guys jest, but my great, 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 great granddad Gunning was deported from Brighton in 1793 for stealing a loaf of bread <laughs> and went to Bottom <laughs> Bay. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> But without further ado, we should probably talk about Star Trek again for the first time in months yeah. and months as a, th- yeah. as a group of three people. And because uh, so I'm, finally, Maddie... I'm finally back, so I got to pick the episode, so I immediately picked an episode that I knew you guys would find fucking atrocious, but I love! <laughs> <laughs> you have indeed. Uh, which episode have you chosen, Maddie? I've chosen sure leave from the original series i think it's episode uh series one episode 19 15 or 16 i believe depending on which box set you use ah uh, yes yeah. uh and it's it is to put it mildly uh batshit <laughs> it is um i mean i'd not seen this episode before uh i've just watched it now um i, I mean i 
what happened first is that I put the wrong episode on, watched five minutes of the wrong episode, thought, this is quite good. I wonder why she's made us watch this one. <laughs> then I realised it was the wrong episode. I went and put the real one on, uh, and immediately I thought, what the fuck is this? Um, <laughs> so before we get too far into it, Nathan, would you like to describe the plot of Shore Leave in your patented manner? No, but I will anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so... Uh, Kirk's back has a kink in it And so a sexy yeoman <laughs> fixes it It's um, such a stupid way to start an episode <laughs> Yeah but that is how it starts Yeah right? I know <laughs> uh, Everyone seems to think the ship's crew and her, and her captain needs a rest McCoy and Sula are exploring a planet Which has only plant life It seems beautiful They're scouting for a place for shore leave Sulu collects some samples and then a giant rabbit that talks appears. Then Amos, <laughs> as in from Wonderland. Uh, McCoy is as shocked as the viewer is at this wildness. Sulu, though, saw absolutely nothing. After the opening titles, Kirk refuses to beam down. McCoy gives an irate communication reporting the Alice in Wonderland situation. Kirk thinks this is a bluff to get him down there. So Spock reports to Kirk the situation of a crewman refusing to rest despite stress and general fatigue. And Kirk says that this crewman should be immediately ordered to the planet. What is his name? James Kirk. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> Kirk does then beam down and starts to explore with some weird tinkly music. McCoy has found a pair of, uh, of rabbit prints. Kirk decides to sh- cancel the shore leave until he knows that all of this is harmless. Then there is a gunshot. Kirk finds Sulu <laughs> discharging an antique revolver randomly that he found relying <laughs> on the floor. As Kirk and McCoy scout ahead, Kirk mentions Finnegan, an upperclassman from the academy that annoyed him. He promptly shows up next to a tree, then punches Jimmy... He is an irritating little fuck. There is some screaming, and Kirk runs to the pretty yeoman Barrows. We find her hugging a tree, and her clothing is now sexily ripped. Turns out that Don Juan did this because yeoman Barrows thought of him. Kirk goes looking for Sulu. He finds a girl named Ruth, and apparently an old flame of his, who starts to give him a snog. She hasn't aged in 15 years. Kirk finally gets a hold of McCoy and seems to forget what he was worrying about. He dismisses any suggestion that things may be wrong. Spock finds strange energy readings, a drain on power, in fact. Kirk decides to continue investigating. McCoy and Yeoman Barrows discuss the way in which he apparently wants to be dressed like a princess and have McCoy fight off various baddies. Guess what happens next? (laughs) Uh, McCoy suggests she puts on the dress that just materialised out of nowhere, and McCoy's bowman promptly prevents effective communication between the planet side team. (laughs) Meanwhile, two Enterprise crewmen that just are in this episode for some reason are being attacked by a tiger. But don't worry about that. Let's cut back to McCoy and his princess. (laughs) Zulu, meanwhile, is fighting a samurai. He runs into the captain. The samurai disappears. And I mean... Not like disappears on the show, just that's never referenced again. Phases <laughs> and communicators are down, so Spock tries to beam down, but there is an obstruction, so it takes a while. He uses up all the transporter power, though, so Spock has stranded everyone down there with no chain of command like the genius he is. <laughs> a Black Knight appears and charges McCoy, who refuses to dodge and absolutely fucking dies. <laughs> Kirk shoots him with the revolver. Sulu finds that the Black Knight is like a dummy, and upon being scanned, Spock concludes everything here is a simulacrum. The two rando crewmen watch some planes, which then fire a strafing run at them. They manage uh, to kill Angela. Then McCoy and the Black Knight uh, body disappears. 
We re-encounter Finnegan, who Kirk pursues. The two men have a TOS-style fight. Surprisingly, Kirk is not knocked out. Then some more fighting happens when he wakes up. He finally knocks Finnegan for six after way too long, and Spock asks if he enjoyed it. Spock observes that if you think of something, it appears, and manages to summon a tiger by giving an example like a spanner. Um, <laughs> Kirk, <laughs> Kirk reunites with his people and orders them to concentrate on standing solely at attention. Then an old man appears who said he's the caretaker of this place. He explains that if you imagine your fondish wishes, a temporary vi- version of that wish appears. This planet's an amusement park. Kirk has crossed that somebody died. McCoy appears and reassures Kirk nobody has with a pair of cabaret girls and human uh, Barrows gets rid of those because she's quite annoyed with that. Incidentally the other crewman does not reappear in this episode. (laughs) The caretaker restores power to the Enterprise and now they know what's going on it's time to enjoy themselves. Kirk sees Ruth again. He decides that he would rather have a shag than go back to working. Uh, there's a brief laugh ending on the bridge and the episode ends. Right, what the fuck was that? <laughs> I'm so glad you got us to watch this episode, Maddie, because this is peak Maddie's episode of Red Shirts. Especially as it opens with the most gay bit I've ever seen between Kirk and Spock, because I didn't mention it in the summary, but he's getting this back massage from the yeoman, and it's like, and there's the yeoman and Spock stood behind him, and he goes, "Oh yes, that's right. Uh, get it, Mister Spock." And then he Dig sees that there, Spock Mr. is Spock. like there, and and then he's like, "Yes, that's quite enough, yeoman. I don't enjoy it now. I know it's not Spock." <laughs> <laughs> it's this like, whole episode is so insanely horny. It, it, Every <laughs> <laughs> but like. It's sort of like it's fairly standard opening. Like there's a bit, it's like a bit weird that it starts with a massage, but then you're like, all right. Then they go down to the planet and they're going to see what. And then literally three and a half minutes into the episode, there's a giant, a man dressed in a giant rabbit costume, and you're like, is this like a, this? Like a, sh- a mascot at a shitty school basketball game? Well, no, it literally is the the guy who plays the uh, no. the white rabbit in this episode. Uh, it's a professional ice skater in real life. <laughs> and in America, they have this thing called Ice Capades, which is like uh, sort of a bit like oh, Disney God. on ice. But like they do these weird stories where everyone dresses up in these big costumes. And he got the white, the white rabbit costume. He borrowed it from Ice Capades for free. And, oh, <laughs> and that's Lord. why it is. So it's literally like a costume from a children's like live experience thing. Oh, my <laughs> that he's That's taken. amazing, though. The, I love that. The um, what I didn't understand is whether or not this was just poor nineteen sixties like budgeted TV, and whether we were meant to believe that this was an actual real rabbit, like whether it was a character that was meant to be a giant rabbit, or whether we were meant to believe it was a person dressed as a rabbit, because it looks so obviously like a person dressed <laughs> as a rabbit. Look, they but they, like, well, they used the all the budget. And, they used up all their budget on the tiger and the strafing runs. So. No, they used no. up all their budget on, on the a, elephant. Yeah, they used the up their elephant? budget on an elephant that, that doesn't appear in the episode. No. They, they, they wanted an elephant to appear. They hired an elephant. Couldn't organise, like, filming it properly. Um, and so, like, the producer... I don't know if it's the producer or the director was 
fucking furious when he was like, <laughs> yeah. what do you mean the elephant budget has taken like most of this out of it? It's like, oh yeah, we got an elephant that didn't work. And it's like, why did I give you money for a fucking elephant if you're not filming the elephant? <laughs> oh, it became God. like a running joke in the in the like staff room, in the writer's room for the rest of the series where everyone was like, oh, what, what, when are you going to get your elephant involved this in this episode? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I didn't think it was possible for me to love this episode anymore, but that... <laughs> That takes the biscuit. And also, also, also while we're talking to... about the tiger, um, yeah. In <laughs> originally in the script, uh, the, um, the obviously the tiger's involved in it, uh, and they got a real live tiger for the filming. Like they borrowed it from a zoo or whatever. Um, you can see that it's got a chain round. Oh, yeah, I know. Surprisingly <laughs> chill. Uh, that's, but, um, it's probably uh, on heroin were... or something. You know, just to, like so people can get yeah. selfies with it. Well, the um. They were. This episode was being rewritten as it was being filmed. So yeah, because because Gene Roddenberry was rewriting the script as it was being shot, and everyone was on set. Uh, William Shatner kept like trying to get him to put in extra bits into the script where oh, that God. things that he wanted to do. Uh, what like have Shatner sex really with sexy women? But no, Shatner really wanted to wrestle the tiger, so he was trying to get Gene Roddenberry to write in a, a scene where he got to wrestle a live tiger. And they think? had to like, they had to convince him that it wasn't a good idea. I mean, it bloody wasn't. <laughs> but can you oh imagine if that had happened and the oh sto- and then he died? That would have been the story that we would have got. 15 episodes into the first series of Star Trek, the main William character Shatner got mauled by a tiger and died. You know <laughs> we would never TV have any more Star Trek. You know what TV studios would have been like back then? Like, they would just have kept airing it. They would have been like, yeah. well, lads, <laughs> let's, just, let's just have a final episode, which is, you know, where Spock takes over the ship and we say that Kirk died on an away mission. Oh my god, that's wonderful. <laughs> that actually, you know, that makes that makes so much more sense. I thought that the sheer kind of drug-addled, nonsensical lack of story structure of this episode was due to bad writing. Now I know it's not only due to bad writing, it's also due <laughs> to bad direction, bad production, bad execution, terrible organisation. Well, with the direction, um, the this was the... <laughs> this was the first episode that this director had ever done of Star Trek, and uh, apparently, because he did quite a good. Tr- apparently, it was. Could he come back? <laughs> no. Um, he. They considered. It was considered that he'd done quite a good job directing it, considering the fact that he was getting story updates every, like every five minutes from Gene Roddenberry. But Bloody all of yeah. the all of the actors hated him. They hated mm. working with him because because he was he was so stressed about dealing with the script problems he didn't like give the actors the sort of time that they wanted so yeah. they their egos were really hurt so they refused to work with him again and then Roddenberry tried to get him back to to direct something in series two uh, and all of the stars kicked off and said I'm not working with him because wow. he was like he, he wasn't very nice to, to, to wow. yeah so that, 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 that he never did come back my goodness I love the fact that this episode <laughs> canonically introduces the fact that McCoy has a fantasy LARP role-playing kink. <laughs> <laughs> he does as well. I hadn't thought about that. But like everyone Wait. in Star Trek does, because that's what that's the whole point of like what like sexy princesses the... on the holodeck. 
Yeah, exactly. Like the but holodeck like, is just laughing. But McCoy gets like yeah. so horny when Yeoman <laughs> Barrows mentions this idea she has of dressing like a princess, like you do for Halloween when you're f- four and you have like a pointy yeah. hat. Like McCoy, like his he's like his eyes are popping. He like loses his ability to communicate effectively <laughs> like Nathan pointed that out and he's like oh you gotta just put it on like and then he's like oh yes a noble lady that I shall have to protect and it's all very like oh my goodness like <laughs> it's so funny oh there's that whole bit where he's like where she's getting changed into the costume and he and, he, yeah. and she's like, no peeping. And then he says this really creepy line where he says something like, uh, I'm a doctor. Yeah, the, all of my peeping is in the line of duty. He's, yeah, he says, yeah. all of my peeping is in the line of duty. I'm like, all right, Larry Nasser, like, calm down. <laughs> it's such a yeah. weird... I did like the fact that they make the romance element of the story between... Barrows and Bones rather than between Barrows and Kirk. Like they could have mm. easily made it a Kirk story. Um but they they didn't. They did they gave a romance uh, like storyline to Bones for once, which I thought was quite fun. Yeah, this um is quite an interesting episode for characterization because there is a bit of an ongoing thing that McCoy is definitely the most horny and lecherous out of the three main characters. <laughs> um and um, Kirk kind of gets a bit more of a backstory because he has this old flame who's kind of introduced, I think, really like most of Kirk's love interests get introduced in it as a sort of like nostalgic, wistful, like they're always, he's always passionately in love with them, but there's always some reason why they can't ever be together in the long term because um, <coughs> he's hmm. married to Spock. But um, he also <laughs> has this like weird... I, I mean, just so fucking weird. Like, I, I I hate to say that anything is, like, the most weird thing in this episode, but I think if I had a gun pointed to my head and was forced to pick, the weirdest thing would be Finnegan, his old classmate, <laughs> who is, like, this unhinged... I mean, like, Nathan is currently Nathan's doing, doing a terrifying of impression of... Like, this is, like, a horror movie-level <laughs> psychopath who's, like, m- <laughs> maniacally giggling in, in, like, a comedy Irish accent. His hair is bleached blonde, but his eyebrows are not. I, there's so much going on here that I don't understand. He wears a sparkly silver shirt. Uh, <laughs> we see his underwear every time he turns around because his trousers aren't pulled up fully. I don't know what's going on. And it's very homoerotic the way that they keep rolling around for, like, five minutes. I'd, like, it's so crazy. Kirk's shirt gets ripped off. His nipples are flapping everywhere. It's just peak Star Trek. <laughs> flappy nipples. <laughs> if you've had flappy nipples for more than five days, please do speak to your doctor. Um, <laughs> We've just triggered a lot of people who've got a happy, flappy nipple. And he said happy nipples then. This, uh, honestly, right, I think nice this is one of the most egregious examples of, of nipples out, Shatner, that you have in like a... Yeah. Like, his shirt is so ripped. I mean, he's literally flapping around and he's got this like like crazy grin on his face as he stands there panting and sweaty, <laughs> staring at Spock like... <laughs> <laughs> what I like about it as well is that you never see it get ripped. It, it's perfectly intact in one shot and then in the next <laughs> shot, it's completely torn apart. Like, <laughs> like, we're supposed to believe that happened just... 
because of because he fell down a small little incline on a hill. Like, well, the costumes are so shit that that might have happened. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> but, true. Yes. Yeah. Um, but it's also it's I, also rich. Sorry, I was just finishing that thought by saying they've completely failed to like pay attention to the narr- visual parallel between the fact that poor Yeoman Barrows's dress gets ripped because Don Juan tries to rape her about five minutes earlier in this obviously sexual attack. Five minutes after this, Kirk's shirt gets ripped in exactly the same way. <laughs> Yeah. By this other man attacking him, they're like, I'm like, did they, did they just have no idea what they're doing? Like, did, <laughs> I mean, I think maybe the dig it in, Mister Spock should have like proves they definitely didn't know what they were doing. But like, seriously, guys. Anyway, carry on, Nathan. Mm. So, can I introduce a red piece of red shirt's head cannon? Oh yes, please. Because oh yes, always. I think that always. This, this is the sequel. To Night of the Lepus. Um, <gasps> no. Oh yes. How? That giant Why? rabbit is the only one that survived. <gasps> oh yeah. my god. Yeah, yeah, and and McCoy is so like terrified of rigging it up because he's like because he's got the ingrained fear from when he was, a, he was <laughs> on the deep oh. Starfleet undercover time travel mission <laughs> to wow. deal with the rabbit race and like that's what he's that's what he's panicking about that kicks this whole thing off. He's just like. Oh my god! And then that's why he uh, lets himself get hit by the lance. It's not because he thinks it's a hallucination. He's like, if those rabbits are here, I want to die. I don't want to <laughs> live through this. Oh <laughs> so he lets god. himself get lanced by the knight. There you go. There's my red shirt's head. I love that head cannon. That also explains like why he's so panicky because he thinks that the planet is animal free because the rabbits have been fully exterminated, as he did in the film, but yes. they haven't. Yeah, that's amazing. Mm. And imagine the terror at knowing that not only are the giant rabbits back, but also they've evolved. They now talk and they also wear waistcoats. (laughs) (laughs) And carry pocket watches. That's why he's so horny in this episode. Oh my God, because he thinks he's going to die. So he's like, might as well get some nookie before the end. (laughs) Uh, Not because he's got a rabbit fetish. He's not, (laughs) because my headcanon was going to be that he's a furry. uh, I love that. that one. (laughs) <laughs> he's just really into that rabbit costume oh my goodness it just there's so many elements in this where something shows up and then never shows up again and it's yeah. amazing well like you mentioned the samurai in the, does in show back up exactly that's what I was just oh, going to say he? the samurai shows up briefly because there's a point when <laughs> they're running back away from the tiger and everything and they oh, run past right, the right, samurai right. and Kirk manages to just sort of push him over and that's enough to, to disable him despite the fact we were led to believe that he's some sort of fighting warrior lord kind of like ninja guy yeah. but he could be beaten by just being pushed over by a slightly tubby man <laughs> to be fair isn't that like isn't that the plot of um isn't that also the plot of the last samurai it's like <laughs> he's a bedrunken white <laughs> yeah. man <laughs> <It> is, yeah <laughs> the um the knight getting shot by Kirk with the revolver is just so funny as well. Oh like the knight is advancing really slowly for a guy on a horse. And with a like, full bang, suit of armour. And then he with just stops and falls over. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah, everything, it's so stupid. Like, the the samurai doesn't even try and wield his sword at them. He just raises it over his head and then sort of 
falls over as they both brush past him. They run directly into the line of his sword. They just don't. They just don't care. They've just given up. And everyone in this episode has a death wish, not just. Yeah, they literally do have a death wish because that's the whole plot, isn't it? Like that, what they want appears in front of them, and everyone everyone wants something that's going to kill them. Like I've very rarely been wandering around being like, oh, like. It's just so... All the wishes are just so specific yeah. for what are supposed to be random thoughts. Like, that's the best bit. Like, it just... Yeah, like, bears. either Sulu is an absolute maniac. Oh, he or is. He's, oh, he is. Because <laughs> he's wandering around just like where... Like, he goes to a nice peaceful area where he's supposed <laughs> to be doing work. And... His brain goes immediate to, I wish I had an antique replica firearm that worked. I wish like, I could. Yeah, Sulu's like Loki. I wish school. I had the ability to murder somebody right now. Lo- big, big Loki uh, school shooter vibes from Sulu in this episode. But I, think, <laughs> but I think it very much like matches with the Sulu we've seen earlier in series one. You know, in the naked time where he absolutely goes fucking bonkers and runs around the ship half naked, <laughs> wave, waving his fencing oh, sword. Yeah. Like, it, this is fully on brand Sulu. Sulu is unhinged and 100% has like. T- he he says like oh there's nothing like this in my collection I'm like Sulu, Sulu what what is in your collection and do we want to know like if we went into <laughs> Sulu's quarters what are we going to find it's just a, an armory full of like <laughs> like assault rifles yes yeah, basically I think and Sulu is the actually I think Sulu's the thirty to fifty feral hogs guy from Twitter about two years ago. <laughs> Oh my goodness, feral hogs. I haven't heard that in such a long time. Wow. <laughs> that Maybe was the best Su- thing that ever happened on Twitter. Yeah. I was going to say, <laughs> Sulu's like bean dad. <laughs> He's what? Oh, you don't know about bean dad? Okay. You were just Who's naming bean, Twitter bean dad sounds like Bean dad sounds like someone that I made, like a little face... I'm made out of beans in my bowl because I was sad that my dad wasn't around as much. So I created like a little character called Bean Dad to be my replacement <laughs> surrogate dad. Okay. You were we were I thought we were talking about Twitter main characters because you mentioned the thirty to fifty feral hogs guy. <laughs> so just Google Bean Dad Twitter and you'll have a wild ride. <laughs> okay, I'll put that in the show notes for any listeners that don't know what that is. <laughs> Because I'm going to have to Google it. Um, yeah, I mean, so another thing that I noted in like looking into the background of this episode is that the reason they were rewriting it is because the original script was not believable enough. <laughs> which begs the question, what was in that <laughs> script? What was in script one? <laughs> I'm desperate to know. Holy shit, I'm desperate to know. You know what? The th- I wrote a fan fiction, a Doctor Who crack fan fiction, when I was about 15 that is basically indistinguishable from this episode if you transfer it into yeah. Doctor Epi- And I mean, I mean, I was just throwing literally everything at it that I had, that I could possibly think of. We had like, there was like space Nazis, there was space Margaret Thatcher, there was like falling down a wormhole, there was like the Doctor getting lost in a Turkish bathhouse full of squids. I mean, like literally... The- <laughs> This episode and this episode is is it's just like that, but they just put it on telly. They just were like, "Yeah, this is the episode. <laughs> it's a crack fic." Yeah, like I mean, this is the thing about season one Star Trek 
is they've no real idea what Star Trek is at this point. Like, this is the the thing. Like, this is... This episode's actually a really good, like, counterpoint to uh, uh, random wankers on Twitter that are like, oh, new Star Trek du jour is ruining Star Trek and not holding it. Like, Star Trek's not like that. And it's like, bitch, have you seen season one? <laughs> 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 have you seen the, the rules and their inconsistencies and their complete and utter bollocks and nonsense? <laughs> like, from very minor to very, very not. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's such a good you know. point. That is such a good point, Nathan. Like, I think it's so easy to forget just, like, how utterly deranged old Star Trek was, especially when you get bogged down. Like, all of the... by the, I guess by the time TNG came along, they really, they really were def- re- sort of defining what a Star Trek episode looked like and what you would expect when mm. you went into a Star Trek episode. But I just... I mean, there is... There is no way this this episode is a cinematic version of the never let them know what you're gonna do next TikTok trend. Like there is no way to predict yeah. it. It's like a dream, isn't it? Like where like, yeah, we've described episodes of TOS on this podcast before as being like a fever dream. But yeah. this is actually <laughs> like a fever dream. But like the, yeah, where like. Random shit happens and it doesn't seem to follow any kind of rule. Yeah, and then, like, and and then at the end, despite the this is what I think is mental about this episode. It's like the ending, essentially, the this magic man turns up and goes, "Oh, it was all meant to be nice. Sorry." And then Kurt goes, (laughs) "Oh, okay, fine." Yeah, and then says, "Oh, we all nearly died." But then the guy goes, oh, why, why don't you still bring all of your crew down here? They could have the best shore leave of their lives. <laughs> and then Kirk just goes, yeah, actually, fine, let's do that. Because nothing, yeah. nothing went wrong when we tried it. We've done nothing to change what happened. We now just understand the context of it a bit more, but well, we still like all nearly died. In, um... It's like the holodeck in TNG. It just breaks every time you see it. Any episode <laughs> vaguely around the holodeck, something's broken. But they still use it all the time. And it's the same kind of thing here. And also, like, that's another, like, TOS thing that I think we've seen across a couple of episodes now. Is that they don't always delve into the implications of the episodes once they've solved the mystery. Yeah. Like, it's just, like, here. Like, if this was a TNG episode, you know for sure that Caretaker would be revealed, like, midway to three quarters of the way through. And there would be a, like, agonizing over, like some moral issue related to, like, is it fair to have all of these fantasies, or if you live out, like, destructive fantasies, is that acceptable? In fact, I'm just describing that episode with Reg Barkley now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, y- 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 you know what I mean? You're like, absolutely just... right. Whereas this, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't, because of how it was rewritten on the day of filming, it every, well, on the over the course of the seven days of filming it took, um, I wonder if maybe he originally was meant to be in it more and then Roddenberry, like... Because part of the reason he was trying to rewrite it was to keep it under budget. I wonder if maybe, like, they couldn't afford to have him be in the show as more than that or something. They couldn't afford his day rate as an actor or something. Don't like, give them that much credit, Jake. They, they, weren't planning <laughs> on, they weren't planning on doing any of the clever things Nathan's just spoken about. They, they, this is just a case of, like, you know, this is a classic case of 
um, TOS episode in which the crew essentially become pawns in the petty games of some unimaginably powerful humanoid being that cannot be explained and then at the very end of the episode that being reveals itself and is like lol bants you all just in my games i was fucking with you toodle pip cheerio um (laughs) (laughs) and then they just jolly on with their mission um yeah and the fact that they accept that they're like not worthy of knowing why they're being fucked around with which i always think is wild like that's just so (laughs) tos and not in any other like any other star trek series if the unknowable aliens are like, oh, you can never understand us, then the irate human captain nearly always goes, you don't know that! <laughs> yeah. Shut up, mom! <laughs> yeah, yeah. And in this one, Kirk's like, you know what? I'm just so fucking exhausted and horny. Yeah, I'll just roll with it. Yeah, fuck it. I'll just send all those people mm. down. Let Spock deal with the bullshit. I'm, I'm, I'm on short leave now. <laughs> like, I, all of, I have a all theory of my... about... Oh, go on. Oh, carry on. You go. Go, go. I was going to say, I've got a theory, this is my headcanon, that, um, because Kirk asks the caretaker guy, like, what's going on, why why are you doing this, that kind of thing, like, who are you, what species are you, all that, where are you from, and all that kind of thing, and he says, and he refuses to say it, he's like, oh, I don't think you're, you, you, you're ready to hear that from me, or whatever. Um, my headcanon is that he's actually a Q, uh, mm. and that, I, th- I think he's a member of the Q continuum. And this is the first uh, actual canonical involvement of Q in any Star Trek. Uh, oh, God, my cat's just jumped on my... I actually think your headcanon's amazing. Headcanon accepted. This guy's a Q. He just made all of the... I know that... Um, is it McCoy or Spock who says that everything on the planet is made out of these same cellular things? Like the planets yeah. are constructed and the 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 hallucinations are also somehow animatronic they're like mechanized um but somehow q has just decided to like build things in a factory and instead of doing like snapping (laughs) his fingers q's just got like a big snappy finger factory with thousands of baby q's snapping their fingers at production lines as they just make loads of rapey nights like come off come off a conveyor (laughs) belt yeah i mean like mccoy is like it's another like classic TOS. We don't have any money for this. Thing, where McCoy is like, they have a factory down there. You can't see it, but trust me, there's a giant factory. <laughs> yeah, and also like Zulu's like, sir, this is clearly a dummy. And then the dummy like very noticeably has a nose twitch. <laughs> I, I've got I a also... few more production facts. I if want you want to hear those, yes, please. Yes. Yeah. So um, the guy in the rabbit costume. Number one, same guy who is in the Gorn costume in Arena. Yes. Um, number two. Oh my cost- god. Oh my god. That is amazing. That makes me so happy. That's like two of the stupidest and most iconic characters of the first <laughs> series. That's amazing. That's amazing. Did he get the yeah. Gorn costume from Ice Capades as well? <laughs> <laughs> well, so the, the costume designer of that White Rabbit costume designer um (laughs) decided to sew the rabbit head into the suit and he nearly suffocated and then he tore off the head and the costume designer was like what the fuck did you do that for it was like i would have died (laughs) oh god (laughs) they had to get they had to compromise by attaching it with velcro um the other like 
thing that is that that I just find funny is that you, they the way they made the planet in this, you know, for the shots where the Enterprise is over the top. Yes, it's a globe. Yeah, which they film with the model. They painted some extra bits on the globe, and then they just reverse the whole thing. Amazing! <laughs> so, Absolutely amazing. So it's, That's so iconic. Like, so it's just Earth, but like backwards. It's Earth backwards with some paint splodges over some of the <laughs> landmasses to make it look different. Wow, that is the kind of practical effect that you just can't hope to have anywhere anymore, except in maybe like a ten-year-old's web series. I mean, like that's so <laughs> or wonderful. Someone doing it stylistically, yeah. Like the 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 new the newest Star Wars films use puppetry for stylistic effects. Yeah, but, but they yeah. wouldn't have got a fucking Earth globe. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, true, true. I mean, the problem with this episode really is that. The one uh, thing the to problem, say the problem, about it Nathan. Is just, just fucking. Re- the problem. <laughs> I'm sorry. What? The problem. <laughs> well, it's just that the only thing you can say about it is it's fucking wild. Watch it. Like, <laughs> it's I mean, so I did wild. Not enjoy it. I honestly like the first time I watched this episode. <coughs> I think I laughed harder than I have at any other Star Trek episode ever um, in the original series. I, I laughed harder at this one than I did with Trouble with Tribbles, like like for absolute definite, because every single thing that happens is just so nonsensically stupid. None of the humour <laughs> is intentional. I think that's one of the mm. wonderful things about it, whether it's because there's like this extremely homoerotic, I'm not even going to call it subtext, it's just explicit text, <laughs> whether it's Kirk sort of running toward running on a flat ground diverting towards a boulder just so he can do a little skip <laughs> over the boulder over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whether it's sulu being a complete and utter sociopath everything about it is wonderful oh and yeah i'd say the only moment of humor in this that is intentional is actually like a really really funny moment um where spock where Spock tricks Kirk into going down onto the planet by giving the little speech yeah. about a crew member yes. whose you know performance meters are declining and who's showing signs of being quarrelsome, and Kirk cuts him off and it's like, "Who is he? I demand that he goes on shore leave at once." <laughs> Spock just quirks an eyebrow. It's like James Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and Kirk is just like, all oh, right, fine, got me. I also love Foxy. that, like, Kirk believes that McCoy would call him, claim that Alice in Wonderland is happening just to get him onto the planet. <laughs> yeah. like, and he's just like, no, nah, I'm not falling for that one, McCoy. Like, what, does like, that, what does that say about McCoy? But, like, what does that say about <laughs> Kirk and McCoy's friendship that McCoy... That Kirk is like, yeah, McCoy is the kind of man that will regularly just tell me that he's seen a hallucination of a children's book character. And also that apparently I'm interested enough in children's book characters that I want to like view them at any point. Like, have there been other times <laughs> when on a night out where McCoy's like, oh, mate, you've got to look at this. He's like, oh, no, I'm really tired. No, mate, I swear down. I swear down. Aslan's in here. Get me, get me, it's Aslan. <laughs> and Kirk's like, all right then, I'm coming. I'd love, love that if he's like leaving drunk voicemails on Kirk's phone on nights out, being like, oh, you'll never guess who I just met in prison. Oh. 
Oh, <laughs> I was I was in Oceana last night and I ran into Little Miss Muffet. <laughs> Jim, I, I get like yourself the down idea to Pop that, World. Um... Get yourself down to Pop World, Jim. I swear it's crazy in here, man. It's crazy. Just seen Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea that it's like a zero stakes bet between uh, Spock and McCoy, and McCoy's like, I can definitely get him to believe this. And <laughs> Spock is like, Well, Jim is not that illogical. <laughs> <laughs> That actually, I really like. Like, that also says how unhinged McCoy is. That if he made a bet with Spock about who is has the greater powers of mis- persuasion, Spock's like, obviously, I can intellectually trick him into this. And McCoy's like, nah, I just got to go straight for the single brain cell and tell him the dumbest shit that I could ever possibly <laughs> think of. That's what's going to work. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I love I love Spock in this um, all the way through. He's just like he's almost like I'm done with this this episode. Like when he beams down, it almost feels like him going like, right, I've had fucking enough of this. I'm just gonna work out what the fuck is going on because these humans are just pissing about. I know. <laughs> it's like I don't care if it strands me on this planet. I need to know what's going on. He's basically Jim like he's basically like the dinner lady appearing to break up your game of British bulldog. I mean, that is basically yeah. what he's yeah. doing when he beams in. And on top of that, he kind of immediately knows what's going on anyway. And he like turns to Kirk and says that he's figured out that this planet shows you whatever it is that you most think about and like your most recent fantasy, at which point Kirk is then immediately standing about half a meter from him completely topless. Like (laughs) (laughs) Spock. (laughs) Seriously? Yeah. My my favourite quote. Well, my two favourite quotes from this episode. One is just the bit when McCoy shouts, Sulu! <laughs> at the start. Because <laughs> it's really funny. Uh, and then I really like, Barrows says something along the lines of, um, all, a ge- all a girl needs is Don Juan. And you're like, what do you mean all a girl needs is Don Juan? <laughs> like, yeah. I, this, this is such like, a good example. What about oxygen? <laughs> What about what about Harry Styles? Come on, Barrow, show a bit of range. Like <laughs> also when yeah, also when Don Juan does turn up at the end and he's got his cape and his sword and all that, I really I it was like he's doing like little fencing twirls with his sword. I, I really wanted to see a fencing match between Don Juan and uh, and Sulu because we know Sulu oh, likes to do fencing and that. And that would, I just assumed that was what was going to happen and they were going to, uh, but instead. Kirk turns up and then Don Juan just runs away and we never see anything of him ever again. Like, right? And I think we can there's we can no also point in him being there. We can also establish that Sulu is like not only a psychopath but also a terrible friend who just like likes to watch he likes to wreck <laughs> chaos and then like reap his <laughs> rewards because he is with Yo- Yeoman Barrows. They've gone off to look for Alice. Don Juan presumably appears at which point I'm guessing, you know, they would have immediately noticed because he's like a large Spanish guy, like with a sword and a cloak. (laughs) And then he starts to attempt to rape Yeoman Barrows by like ripping at her clothes and she's screaming. And then we're just told, oh yeah, like Sulu ran after him. Like what? Sorry, what was Sulu doing? Like while (laughs) she was being attacked, was he just pointing and laughing? I mean, like what was going on? (laughs) 
He was looking for his antique revolver and oh. being annoyed that Jimothy took it. Yeah. You know, he was like, can I find more guns on the ground here? <laughs> I love that he's obsessed with those weapons and like antique revolvers and that, but then there's that scene where he gets attacked by the, uh, the samurai and he can't get his own phaser to work. Like, oh, he's, yeah. That's so, that's he's so like, true. It's like he's typing in all the different codes and then trying and, he, and nothing's happening. And like, Devastating. my theory is that he just kept putting the wrong code. You know, like when you forget what your pin number is when you're oh, a bit yeah. drunk. Oh, yeah. And like you keep putting it in, but you're like one digit wrong each time. And it, it, it just keeps coming up saying like, sorry, we can't dispense phasing at the moment because <laughs> you've got it. <laughs> Jake, I don't need to Either be a that. bit drunk to, to lose my pin. I didn't take <laughs> cash out for 18 months because I couldn't remember my pin on my card. <laughs> That's the most maddy thing ever. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, guys. Um... Honestly, I, I bet Suli was just looking under every rock. Like, Yeoman Barrows is just screaming and crying, and Suli's like, is there another gun under this flower? No. What about under this one? No. And then... <laughs> When they're like, oh, Sulu's ran off after Don Juan, I reckon Sulu was just gathering loads of machine guns and shit into his arms and, you know, chortling his way off into the forest so he could stash them for later and add to his psycho collection. The, I, do, I do know that this episode uh, has a new musical director in for the first uh, time Uh, and so all of the music that's in the background on this episode is uh, pretty much brand new to the series and some of it never gets seen again Um, but like there's this weird uh, I don't know if you'd noticed it but like when they're outdoors on the planet that you can hear wind chimes everywhere in the background uh, and there's this sort of weird wind chime sound that's supposed to make the area sound peaceful and nice which is, I suppose, supposed to like contrast with the sort of dangerous things that are going on, um, and that never gets used again. Uh, but I think that's really cool. I, I really like that as a like as a stylistic choice from the mm. musical guy. Same. I uh, did want to. In... Oh, go ahead, Jake. I was just gonna say, and <clears throat> uh like developed the little sort of Irish jig that gets played whenever Finnegan turns up and that's the only thing I I liked about Finnegan (laughs) I just can't cope with Finnegan like I don't understand what they were going for here because he appears to Jim and says you know you're I'm just. He appears to be a racist caricature of an right. Irish. Yeah, he yeah. says to Jim <laughs> like that you're exactly as you expect me to be, or like presumably this is this is how Jim remembers him. So I'm like, is this what Finnegan is actually like? Like, did or is Jim in- racist against or is Irish? Jim people? incredibly racist. <laughs> like, did this unhinged <laughs> six foot leprechaun like Yarhardildi <laughs> like sort of you know Morris dance his way around? I mean, it's it's absolutely bonkers the way that he carries on. So strange, so 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 strange. He what, also seems to have Irish? the ability to teleport as well. Yeah, like, yeah. Because there's that, that bit where he's running away and suddenly he's like a mile away in a different place, and you're like, did Finnegan actually have the ability to do this, or has? Uh, it has Jim actually thought that his, his, he mistook him for an actual magical leprechaun? Yeah, I. Uh, there's just no logical explanation for why Finnegan is like an evil leprechaun. <laughs> <He's> <laughs> like, he is and just also an evil the, leprechaun. 
they have like the longest fist fight in Star Trek history as well. Oh, like, yeah. It takes friggin' ages. <laughs> yes. I'm saying, there's more to this relationship than meets the eye because it's clearly so formative and important for Kirk that like it takes up more of the episode than basically anything else. I'm like, what was going on with Finnegan and Jim in the Academy? That's what I want to know. Yeah. I feel like there was meant to be more special effects involved in the Finnegan storyline and then they couldn't afford them. So Roddenberry was just like, yeah, I'm going to write an extra fight scene in and just tag it onto the already existing fight scene since we've already got them there. Wanted to briefly touch on Finnegan again to just have a a minor complaint that um, this is exactly the kind of unhinged bit of nonsense in this episode that shows the scatty writing style and the fact that it was be rewritten as it goes because this is potentially a really important piece of character backstory for Kirk. We learn that he was this really um, boring, goody-goody two-shoes nerd at the Academy who was like took his studies really seriously and he was being tormented by this older student and it obviously had a massive effect on Jim because Jim is literally still thinking about him 15 years later. Uh, so... Yeah, let's just never explore that ever. Let's just never in any way unpack that. Let's never tie that to anything else ever again. Let's never make that philosophizing like part of the episode's message. Let's just forget. Let's just make him a leprechaun. Let's just make him an evil leprechaun. Yeah. Um, we're going to have to wrap up, guys, but um, we've got the important questions still to ask about this this episode. I have one uh, last thing that I'd like to say. Which okay, is go the... <laughs> I haven't even mentioned it yet because I just feel it's not even worth like touching on how wildly misogynistic this episode is. It is just like one of those old <laughs> TOS episodes that's just. Oh yeah, no, I was. Gonna... Oh, we just take yeah. it for granted that it's, it's just. Uh, that... It's just like yes, all of the male fantasies come true, and then every time the women fantasize about something, they end up getting raped. Or in the case of poor Yeoman Angela, whatever the fuck her name is, she runs headfirst into a tree and dies. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't understand. I don't understand at all. (laughs) And does she actually die at the end? Does she she remain dead? She doesn't come back. Like they're like, oh no, Bones Why does she? Bones comes back. Why does she die? And Bones gets to live. Because she's a woman, I guess. Like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So awful. And, uh, well, specifically, Kirk is irate about the death of his surgeon. He says, like, I don't see why this costs me the life of my surgeon. It's like, all right. What about uh, the life of your yeoman? The, the... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Poor yeah. yeoman Angela. Although, Jesus I suppose the, yo- the yeoman didn't go downstairs into the factory where they can fix people. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and you know... You'd think McCoy would be more interested in that as well. Yeah. Like, you know, you feel like he might want to know how they do yeah. that with his job. You, you think that like McCoy... That, he might have known how to fix Spock's brain. You know that <laughs> McCoy, the ship's doctor, would be invested in saving the life of a of a young ensign or lieutenant lieutenant who's who's just fucking died but no McCoy is more interested in shagging the bunny girls who apparently live in the factory <laughs> below ground <laughs> because it wasn't enough for him to see uh, Mr. Iceman in a bunny suit he wants the actual fluffy pink and yellow bunny girls as well uh, you know what I think he deserves them 
<laughs> Look, we've got we've got to oh. answer the important questions now for this episode. Uh, it's the first important questions we've done with Maddie in a long time, so uh, I'm excited <laughs> to do with this. <laughs> so first of all, uh, obviously, we need to know who we think would look best in a fez in this episode. Um, I mean, my shout is going to go for Finnegan. But oh my god! Yes. Oh yeah. No, but it's not yeah, a fez. Easy. Can we have easy a, win? Can we just please have a special, a special shore leave, um, version of the fez that it's obviously yeah, sure. a leprechaun hat, like it's yeah, obviously like a not le- a fez, yeah. or, or if it is a fez, it's at least got to be green. It's like yeah, it's just like... a little green top hat with no, a buckle on it. The best bit of this is that when uh, Kirk is describing him. He can be like, yeah, and he always wore a fez. <laughs> and then not long after that, it zooms in and you see this guy. And he's in a going, ha, 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 kiss me, I'm Irish. <laughs> well, no, how about Finnegan gets a little Irish hat, like a little. Uh, like a what little Americans wear on St. Paddy's Day. Oh, E, yeah. what like a 70 year old woman in the middle of Perth was wearing last Wednesday? What? Yeah! <laughs> God, no idea. Australians are the fucking weird. The place you man. live sounds mental. Oh my god, <laughs> Alex. One, a, 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 a friend was telling me the other day that they were driving down the freeway and there was like a naked guy with a can of beer running next to the car next to them <laughs> before being dragged <laughs> back inside the vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the most Australian thing ever. Oh my god. <laughs> Get me out, um, guys. Uh, all right. Well, well, we'll say that Finnegan gets a little Irish hat. I would like then to say that uh, the uh, the white rabbit gets a fez as well. Delightful. Um, then uh, next question we have, obviously, is the Klim question. A Klim is a space Karen. So who in this episode is most likely to want to speak to the man? I was going to say Alice from Alice in Wonderland. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. I would think because she's like... Did you did you see a rabbit? Where's the rabbit? Like, did did he was he did he have a stopwatch? You're, like, You're yeah, right. Have little, you read Alice in Wonderland? In. She is quite well, entitled. Not since I was like twelve. Um, she is she is quite yeah. entitled. To be fair, she has that kind of like self assured rich kid attitude of like, I'm important, and these terrible things should not be happening to me. Because she was. I know, I know. She's a real I'm person. I'm saying, but like, as the book character, um, she is quite like... What? Yeah. Hang on, what? Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah, she's based... No, Alice is... Alice is uh, Lewis Carroll's Alice Liddell. Uh, yeah, but, 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 but the stuff that happens to her in the book isn't real. Oh, yeah, yeah. totally. Or, on the grounds of Cambridge University. No, shit was wild <laughs> in no, the 1890s. I was not saying Alice in Wonderland <laughs> was real. I thought you were just being a... Like, really stupid for a second. Like, <laughs> like you thought she genuinely was a person who met a white rabbit and, like, went to a tea party with a crazy man in a hat. And, like, to be fair, if she, she, she does have access to a fez because she knows the Mad Hatter, and he's definitely got a bunch of them knocking about. Oh, true, true, true. Fair enough. Um... Yeah, agreed. Okay, then Al- Alice is a Karen, and she also carries all of the feathers with her. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, well, then our final question is obviously uh, the the big one: Who in this episode is most likely to have tried to suck their own cock? McCoy. <laughs> oh, that's 
field day, isn't it? Um, like, you know, there's just so many. Don Juan, the samurai, the knight, every <laughs> single male on that planet. The Finnegan! The start, ship Enterprise. Like, where yeah, Finnegan is. Yeah, I think Finnegan. Finnegan? Yeah, yeah Finnegan. <laughs> it's got to be Finnegan. To be sure, to be sure, it's Finnegan. <laughs> have we ever had a hat trick, by the way? Like, have we ever had the same have, person know. for all three of those? Because mm. this is the... F- I'm pretty sure we've had two before, but it's been pretty rare, because yeah. we've said Finnegan twice now. I don't know if we've ever had a yes. hat trick. Write in, listeners. Tell us. Yeah, tell yeah. Spreadsheet, guy guys. Spreadsheet, you can get in touch and let us know me. whether or not <laughs> we've ever had the same person be the answer to all three of the questions. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think this, Maddie might yeah, not have been here for Spreadsheet. Yeah, this episode is an guy. absolute... A spreadsheet guy? What? Yeah, there's a guy who keeps a spreadsheet of all of the things that we talk about on the show. Like, and he <gasps> keeps who we who we <gasps> answer the the important questions in a spreadsheet. The answers but to the questions. I, I've asked and... him to send me a copy of it, and he's, he's just wonderful. he's just blanked me on social media. So I don't know whether or not <laughs> I think we might have panicked Maybe him a bit lying. by mentioning him on the show. <laughs> oh my god, spreadsheet man, you're amazing. Your brain works in mysterious and wonderful ways. I love you, but like <laughs> this episode is just an absolute extravaganza bonanza of cocksucking. I mean, I think everyone, everyone was trying to do it. I just, yeah, literally everyone. It Definitely the rabbit. I mean, the rabbit 100%. Yeah, definitely, yeah. And the, the caretaker guy, like, even in a world where he can create the woman of his dreams or the man of his dreams to appear and do it for him, I think he'd still have a go because, like, you'd get bored of having anyone that you want do it whenever yeah, you want absolutely. you'd be like I, I'm, I'm going to try and give it a go this time <laughs> and it didn't work out yeah. on the, exactly anything's possible can you imagine this place? Yeah. they're all <laughs> every single 433 crew members I think is what McCoy says in this episode of the Enterprise are down having surely <laughs> sucking their own dicks or otherwise masturbating and Meanwhile, Ensign Angela is still just lying dead on the floor in a bush. <laughs> everyone's <laughs> fucking forgotten everyone's, about her. Everyone's just forgotten about her. <laughs> we don't give a shit. <laughs> but I think that's all we've got time for for this week. Um, so thank you so much to my co-hosts, Nathan Thomas, and the return of Maddie Churchhouse, who will be with us again uh, semi-regularly, I hope, uh, if not completely regularly nowadays. Uh, it's really fun to be back uh, as a team. I really enjoyed bitch, doing this again. Semi-regularly? Semi-fucking-regularly? Yeah. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> Why well, don't you live an exciting <laughs> life full every... of naked men with beer cans running alongside cars? You know, I don't... <laughs> <laughs> We'll be back next week with another new episode uh, from back from the whole team again. Um, but in the meantime, you can get in touch with us on social media, especially if you're spreadsheet guy um, on uh, at redshirtscast on Instagram and Twitter, or you can send us an email redshirtscast at gmail.com. Um, uh, equally as well uh, if you're listening to this before August 2022 and you're going to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival I'm doing a show there uh, so come and see my show at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival it's on at uh, 12 o'clock midday every day of August uh, at the uh, Cabaret Voltaire uh, the show's called Neurotica and tickets are free and you can uh, just turn up on the day and come in and see it that, that would be great um, but uh, unless you guys have got anything you want to plug uh, then I think 
that's us done. I want to plug, go to Jake's yep. show. Right. Go to the fucking oh, show. thanks. Go to it. Oh, thanks, guys. Go to yeah. Edinburgh. Well, yeah. Because the Fringe Festival is mint, and I'm really pissed that I'm going to miss it this year. Alex is like, did you know that Perth has the second biggest Fringe Festival in not? Shut the fuck up. No one gives a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. No one cares about second. Well, with that ringing endorsement of my show, um, all that's left to say is live long and prosper and goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye.